welcome to another edition of the IDCA to Infinity Paradigm and Beyond podcast, where we bring in the most recognized faces and thought leaders of the technology industry and have candid discussions on topics pertaining to digital transformation, cloud, data protection, data centers, big data, infrastructure and IT, and more. This time I'm joined by Dr. Rebecca Wynn, Head of Information Security and Data Protection Officer of Matrix Medical Network. Rebecca, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here with you today. Oh, back at you. Thank you very much. And Happy New Year, by the way. Yeah, Happy 2019. No kidding. No kidding. We'll see how this goes. Um, so before I get into the, to, to our, our geek speak, um, tell us a little bit about Rebecca, maybe what you did over the holidays or what you like to do for fun or what was the last book you read or a movie you liked? I'll be more than happy to do so. I do want to take a moment and remind everybody out there who's listening that all the discussions I have here, my viewpoints are my own, and it shouldn't be inferred that they're for any prior companies or current companies or future companies that I may work for. Um, over the holidays, I actually rested and relaxed. Um, it's been a long year. Um, Matrix Medical Network had two wonderful acquisitions this year, but as with acquisition, there's a lot of work. So I really Netflix. I actually Netflixed NCIS. I'm sorry, NCIS. I have never watched you. Mm -hmm. um, they were like in their 16th or 17th uh, season. So I actually watched like the first six seasons and then just relaxed. So I wish it was something more exciting um, than that. But that's what I did. My whole plan was just to recuperate and um, eat well and um, do give my body the rest that it needed. Oh, well, I mean, that, and that is so critical. I mean, it's, um, it's ironic, but uh... I travel. I imagine you travel on occasion for your work, and I travel pretty significantly um, working for a, a company with, uh, with businesses in 180 countries um, and uh, where the headquarters is in Stockholm and I live in Las Vegas. I don't even live near any office. Um, between speaking events, customer visits, uh, partner visits, and visits to one or more of our offices, I'm on the road for somewhere around a quarter of a million miles a year. And, um, of course, what did I do during the break? I got back from a trip to Shanghai and a day and a half later got on a plane to, with my wife to go to New York to visit with my daughter and see my niece sing on stage at the Beacon Theater in New York. And um, after two nights there, flew from there to San Francisco and spent four nights in San Francisco visiting friends and um, family and then came back to Vegas where we proceeded to accept a whole bunch of other people into the house and have a big uh, pre-New Year's Day breakfast and went out to dinner and all that stuff. And so I did just the opposite. I should have sat around and, and, um, and watched my stomach expand in private. And instead, I, I had my stomach expand while I stayed busy. So. Well, it sounds like you had an excellent time and it uh, must have been an excellent experience for your daughter being on stage in New York City. Well, actually, not, not, not my daughter. I mean, she's, she's awesome. not immune to the whole stage thing. And she's, you know, if I can brag for a second about my daughter, she's, she's actually in law school in New York uh, at Fordham. But um, she's a, a no slouch of a singer herself and, and even sings or has sung um, the national anthem at uh, basketball and baseball games at, to her former uh, or her alma mater now, um, USC. But um, no, we went to actually see my niece, um, who my is niece. Out, outstanding um, singer uh, as part of an acapella group. Um, she, uh, her and her new group uh, opened for Pedatonics 
which is probably oh, nice. yeah probably the globally most recognized acapella group uh, right now. Um, and uh, yeah, just a fantastic show. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, if you if you haven't looked at their Christmas song with Kelly Clarkson, Kelly mm. Clarkson always nails every performance she does. It seems like, but yep. um, her and Pantani got together and they did a wonderful Christmas. Um, song and I recommend everyone do that. I'm I myself actively play trombone. I play. Oh, neat! I play actively here in the Valley. I play in the only Arizona Latin um, jazz um, group, um, South Mountain Latin Jazz. We play jazz clubs here as well. I play in another jazz group, which is strict um, jazz. I play in Scottsdale Concert Group as well, which is 40 years strong. So I love the the music. Um, vibe as well and I, I did sing and tour in college um, singing acapella and, and other groups as well too so wow. awesome. uh, keeping those both sides of your brain going is is great and if you're singing or you're playing trombone it gives you a break from work a little bit as well and yeah. you get to add into everybody else's lives to make them happy for the time that you're performing so I think that's great no I do too I do too I think that's fantastic well one of these days I'll have to see you perform I'm a huge fan of jazz although I'm there uh, you go I'm, I'm, you know, more of a, a fan of the older jazz. I do like um, Latin jazz. I'm not as much of a, of a technical instrumental jazz fan as I probably should be, but I'm a huge fan of some of the old crooners, you know, from Sarah Vaughn to Bessie Smith and Billie Holiday and uh, Ella Fitzgerald and Coltrane and, and um, well, not Coltrane for voice, but Coltrane for uh, jazz and um uh, you know, a lot of those that uh, are just um, that to me, if I'm if I really don't know what I want to listen to or if I really just need to relax, um, that's what I've got playing in the house. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And then I, I play a lot of Latin jazz big band. Oh, neat. Which you definitely can't lose with Latin jazz big band. Um, I dare anybody just to kind of sit at a concert, and not move. It never happens. So. Yeah. 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 I would agree. All right. Well. I guess we should get to work. Um, so, you know, we talked before we got started, uh, Rebecca, and um, we decided to, to start um, and use the infinity paradigm kind of as an entryway into our discussion today. And you took some time to look over the infinity paradigm, and I'm obviously a fan as chairman for the technical committee uh, that's working on the infinity paradigm. And, um, you know, my, my perspective on the document um, is, is fairly well known uh, in the community. I, um, uh, otherwise, I wouldn't be spending so much time uh, volunteering to help design and build it. But you know, after taking a quick look at it, other than um, the uh, effort to get through, because it's a big and difficult or at least time-consuming document, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about how you see that the, the, the themes in that document, the message or the frameworks in that document applying to the kind of work that you do on a daily basis or that uh, an enterprise IT organization might be concerned with um, relative to data protection or business continuity, et cetera, et cetera? Um, well, thank you for that. It's a great question. And it's a, one of the things is, is that I'm actually super impressed with this whole framework. And, and you're right, the, the white paper on it's 37 pages for the audience out there. And and you can actually look at it directly online as well. And you do have to take it in bites. Um, I do recommend that you, you read it not once, not twice, but three times, maybe about four times where you start settling in because there, there is different terminology and a different way to see things. Um, I love that the framework not only looks 
at when we're used to doing with service organizational controls, so SOC controls. We look at availability, confidentiality, integrity. And that's the type of reports that we're used to seeing from data centers. This one really takes the ability to look at not only availability, but let's look at about the efficiency of that delivery. Let's look at the security, but let's look at also the capacity and that operation and, and how are they in innovation and resilience. So, you know, I love that because it allows us to have a better, more thorough communication to not only our chief information officer, but executive boards on why are we choosing the data centers that we choose? Why are we choosing to be an organization that doesn't maybe have our own data center, but we're using someone else's data center or co-location? Or why do we choose to have a hybrid? And how is it going to help us to better deliver our products to whoever our customers are based? Too long technology is, from our technical perspective, I look things from, is it secure? Is, is it going to deliver stuff from a security standpoint? I personally have been one who's done personal models where I look at the risk metrics of something. I look at every data that, that goes through every single server and and then I look to see what the risk of this organization. This framework tries to do it similarly, but looking from an operational standpoint, can you actually deliver in a timely um, fashion? And what I've noticed from technology from a lot of people, they just look to see if the servers that I currently have in my data center, can I throw them in someone else's data center? That's not look, looking at holistically for budgets and cost and operational effectiveness. And we have to from an IT perspective, we have to, from Chief Information Security Office perspective, we have to change our discussion. We have to look at efficiencies. We have to look at better being able to communicate if we can actually deliver the business model that our CEOs are on the hook for to whoever our partners out there. And so I love this model because it actually takes that in consideration and pushes you that way. So even if you're not looking at moving your data center, if you have it in the cloud or if you have it in a co-location, which I said it's this great model for you to make sure things are done right, you can actually apply this actually to your information technology infrastructure, your applications in that inside, and actually look at their efficiencies. So this whole framework is way more beyond data centers. Don't let it fool you that it's only about data centers. It's the whole way that your technology is running and to help you as a technology professional try to better communicate with your chief information officer or your chief information officer, giving you a framework to try and better communicate with the CEO and executive boards. I think this framework is excellent and that we just need to work together um, and give more input to the framework developers as they ask us to, so we can develop this over a, a period of time to actually better have those communications up and down the verticals and cross verticals. It's excellent, excellent. It's been around since 2017. Um, it thinks it should get a lot more publicity and people out there really should be um, starting to deep dives from this. It should be an adopter by every organization, in my, my um, opinion, after really spending some time really, really reading through this um, point by point. It, it's excellent. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you very much for that great feedback. All right. So, Rebecca, you just gave some outstanding feedback on um, the infinity paradigm and, and that framework. And, and like you, I'm... Um, uh, a fan, as, as I've already indicated. So when you think about, uh, you know, as we talked about at the beginning, we want to provide some takeaways to the folks that might be listening here. So before I go into another question about, about um, how that might be applied or how it might apply to the kind of work that you do specifically, um, 
you know, what, what if you had to ask or tell someone um, to consider one thing uh, relative to the paradigm and applying it um, in today's world, you know, relative to would, it, would you focus on security? Would you focus on kind of an overall ownership strategy? Would you, would you, would you try to push the idea that um, the increasing complexity of IT ownership from you know, hybrid cloud ownership models, multi-cloud ownership models, um, potentially having data center capacity in three to four different varieties of data center footprints from private data center to co-location to, to uh, manage services to cloud and everything in between. Um, you know, what would you say kind of as a takeaway where there's an opportunity to get some real value, even if a customer only tried something like the infinity paradigm to focus on that one aspect? Well, one of the things is I know is when people look at data centers, the first thing that comes up is cost. Mm-hmm. They look at cost and they look at the location of the data center. But what they fail to look at is, is can it meet our capacity and our operational needs long-term? And that's the one thing that I, I really liked about the framework. It gets people to focus on the data centers that you're choosing, what you're choosing to put in the data center is it going to get you operationally to where your strategic plan is, is in three and five years? That is a paradigm shift for people to think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It makes you think about that. It's not only about the cost. It's not only about the location. It's not only that, you know, they have a SOC 2 certification, but can it actually meet the future capability and operational needs that your strategic plan has for you? And that allows you to measure it through this paradigm. First time I've ever seen that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I appreciate that, and I and I um and I agree with you. Um, it uh, it's it's ability to to really help um, provide uh, clarity on um, you know why you should be making the choices you're making or why you should be adapting uh, differently than you have been. Um, how you should be even operationally training staff, etc. In, in it, to me, it provides that kind of, um, well, for lack of a better word, framework that has, for the most part, been non-existent. I mean, um, and maybe you could speak to this a little bit, too. I mean, uh, historically, uh, you know, again, and you mentioned this before we even get started. This is not um, a pure data center document. This is really a top-down application ecosystem environment. It just so happens that data centers obviously play a big part in a company's um, costs and risk. Um, but, you know, when I first was thinking about the, um, the framework, uh, um, or when I say when I first got introduced to the, to the idea of the framework, I was asked the question, um, you know, what, what do you see as the biggest problem in IT today, Mark? And, and of course, I was talking to Mehdi, who's the, the CEO and, and founder for uh, IDCA. And um, uh, he IDCA stands for International Data Center Authority. So I'm, you know, I made the mistake of staying in the box and I responded from a data center perspective. And I said, well, you know, one of the biggest problems that I see in the industry is, is not that just that we still use raised floors or that we still don't trust uh, modern technology to provide us greater efficiencies or that we don't think about applic- data center design in, in uh, um, alignment with application design or, or corporate need, but that... In fact, when someone wants to go out and expand their data center capacity or build a data center for themselves, there is no flowchart they can follow that matches their need, their company, 
and their need and their spend and their current risk um, level to a strategy for de development and deployment. And I really think that uh, the infinity paradigm is something that could help with that. What do you, what do you think about that? And, and if you don't want to relate it to data centers, take that same way of thinking and, and maybe apply it to how someone looks at their data governance or, or their security profile. How do you, you know, would you agree with that? And, and how would you, um, how would you take it? No, I agree with you. Um, and what I think the problem with, with IT as a whole and information security as a whole is there's really a lack of properly trained people in the workforce. You know, we have a lot of people who, who go through universities and they get educated, but a lot of times they're not taught the cutting edge stuff, the stuff that is going on today and to bring them into the future. And that's one thing that I've noticed quite frequently is when companies are not hiring, you know, the best in the industry or they're not hiring people who, as we talked even earlier before the podcast, about people who are constant life learners, they're really getting harmed. When you look, start looking at chief information security officers or even CIOs or CTOs coming in, we're, we have to be good stewards with our budget. We're not giving unlimited budget. Um, and every year we're asking to be better with their budget. So with that, we do strategic partner with more and more companies. We do YouTube publications. We do go ahead and work people with business continuity and disaster recovery, things along those lines. But what we do is when we get these new tools and new ways of thinking on our end, we do not always have the staff. It's like our staff is, is our weakest link because they are the legacy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so people who are out there listening to podcasts, if you are not actively learning weekly, new things, new way to do things, you know what? You're making yourself a legacy system and you're going to be right. out of a job. I hate to be the one to tell you that, uh, yeah. but it, yeah. it's amazing how many people do not even spend five hours a week trying to, to keep up on new technologies and new ways of thinking. And so that's the one thing I think beyond um, not only looking to see how you're going to move in the IT organization, be it data center or not, but it's actually your IT staff. And one of the things is that there's two great case studies that were at the end of this white paper. And one of them brought that to the attention is that the IT staff was really the legacy system was the IT staff. They were, were not capable to actually go ahead and take the company to the next level. And in a lot of cases, they were not trainable to take the company to the next level of excellence. Right. Companies want to get to the next level of excellence. It's not only about, um, how efficiency you are with your IT and applications, but it's also with the staff. Do you have the proper staff? Right. So that's one thing for users out there. Make yourself always the best asset. Always keep yourself um, in the know. Look at cutting edge technologies. What are the new things that you can learn? Basically, do not sit back on your heels because yeah. the company that you're working for, if they're moving forward, you probably are not going to be part of that moving forward. You'll, you'll need to go to another company so you can help them get to wherever level the company had been before the company moved forward, if that makes sense. No, I think it does. I mean, and I would, um, you know, I would just say that, um, you know, from a, uh, from a simple layman's uh, comparison, um, that, uh, you know, your career in IT is, is, uh, should be considered very much like the notion of, um, uh, would you put your money uh, only in a bank account that uh, trailed, um, or barely kept up with um, uh, uh, inflation, right? And uh, when you think about the requirements um, of IT, 
and the continually inflated, uh, you know, from a correlation to um, finances, the inflated, ongoing inflated need to know mm-hmm. more, the last thing you want to do is put your, um, your money in a bank account where uh, 10 years from now, it'll actually be worth less than it was when you put it in. Correct. Absolutely. And one thing I've always tell people when they've asked me who I've even hired for staff, obviously companies have a requirement at times to see that someone has had a college degree, but not having a college degree has never stopped me from hiring somebody. Having somebody who has a certification has not ever been my only thing on hiring somebody. I've always hired people who are lifelong learners, who people can actually take what they learn and actually put them into practice. That is what big skill set today. It's being able to pivot, be able to fluid, be a fully asset to the company, showing that that you can literally have the wherewithal at times to get through a college degree. That's what that test is for, to see that you can actually go ahead and do things because you got to do them. There's other ways that now we can test for that that is solely not just because you've got a degree on your wall. I've met too many people who, and I have a lot of degrees and I have a lot of certifications and I earned every one of them. But it's all yeah. about proving your worth now. And that's what I tell people out there. And they're like, but I don't have a degree or I don't have a certification. You're going to talk to someone like me and I'm going to go ahead and have a discussion with you and, and see that you're going to be able to be a true asset to me. I can always go ahead and help you get a degree down the road. Yeah. I can always help you get a certification. But I need to have people who are doers and people who are implementing and people who can get us to the next step. So, don't ever hold yourself back because you did not have the money or could not go into debt to get a degree. Right. Constantly be that lifelong learner. There's a lot of open universities and places along those, those lines, Udemy and, and places like that, C library and things like that, that you can actually show that you did the work and then get on with the company who can um, actually help augment that, maybe give you some money to be able to get, get a degree if that's important to you. But don't ever think that you being able to do it's never going to be an asset. I will take somebody who can do over 25 degrees and 25 certifications any day of the week I'm on my team. Right, right. No, I totally agree with that. Um, uh, I mean, uh, my my uh, um, LinkedIn profile isn't littered with certifications or degrees, but it um, uh, if it were littered with something, it would be littered with uh, all of the books that I've read and the, um, the hands-on uh, experience I've had and the... Um, and the classes I've taken online just because I'm looking for, you know, just in time, real um, education that will help me today and tomorrow, but, and or education that will help me be a better overall citizen for my company rather than just being um, able to, to code in a specific language a little bit better or work on hardware a little bit faster, but rather, you know, how, how do I fit into the larger picture and how does the work I do for the company, uh, expand the overall opportunity of the company. And, um, you know, those are, those are things that are, that are hard to learn and, and hard to, um, to, uh, um, master. But, um, I, I think it, uh, as you've said, it is critical as a, if that's the only takeaway that people take from, from this conversation we're having is, um, find that time. If you're, if your boss won't give it to you, find it for yourself, but, uh, spend, uh, uh, at least a few hours a week, um, reading journals and, and, um, and downloading podcasts and, and or reading, uh, taking courses from some of the online universities that are offering them for free or for a few hundred dollars each. You know, it's, um, it's a worthy investment. Um, 
And exactly. There's, and the thing is, is there's vendor, um, vendor management areas over there you can go to. I, I go to Symantec. I, I'm not putting on Symantec, but Symantec. You say, hey, what is their latest operating system out there? And you're like, great. It's on their website. They have their own videos. You can train yourself up on that by, by watching those videos. Or yep. if it's McAfee or if it's Oracle, whatever, go to those sites. That's where people want to do when they go into interviews with you. You want to see that you are learning. You know, read the manual. Read the freaking manual. Yes, read the manual. Um, you will always be able to, in an interview, very quickly tell um, who actually knows their stuff and not know themselves by that. And those of you who are going resume, go, it doesn't show my resume, you list that. You know, you didn't have the money to go to college, but what did you do? You went to Open University, you went to Udemy, you went to C Library, you, you went ahead and were part of these podcasts. You went along. We will see that those educational items are there. And what we said is that you personally are trying to become better in your field daily. That's yep. what we're talking about education. We're not talking about that you paid 20, 40, or 50, or $60,000 for a degree. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about life learners and people who want to be learned in the industry and that you're committed to the industry and you will do whatever you can to find the information. Because guess yep. what? As soon as you come through our doors, what are we doing? You're going to the vendor sites, you're listening to podcasts, and you're listening yep. to webinars, and that's what you're doing to, to get more education. That's what we do inside the office. You can do the same thing outside. Yep. I agree. So, you know, this question probably gets asked of you a lot when you're um, out uh, speaking in public or, or getting interviewed. Um, and I, I have to admit, I almost feel bad having to ask it, but I still think it's important to ask in this day and age. You, by virtue of your sex in your line of work, are a rarity, unfortunately, in the market today. Um, tell, you know, for the, for the audience members um, that are either trying to recruit um, into security roles or data protection roles or even IT in general or, and or are trying to attain roles that might be similar to yours, uh, what nuggets of advice would you provide them? The biggest lesson I've learned and I've learned by the hard knocks, I would tell you, if there's a way to screw things up, muck things up, I'm in the queen of it. <laughs> but the thing is, is that I do fail. I fail often, but I fail forward, right? Yeah. That is the best way to learn in life, unfortunately, is by failure. And, and you've learned this as well through your yeah. career. So yeah. one thing is, is that I consistently see this. And it can be from newbies to anybody CXO. CXO just means if it's CFO, CIO, CTO, right. just put it next to the middle. But when they first come into a company or first get in a conversation, instead of seeking first to understand, they seek first to try and impress you. And I've right. done this numerous times myself. Yep. It fails, guys. And you know this as well. It fails. What you want to do is you want to seek first to understand. Let the other person talk in their point of view. See what the company's about, how they feel, how their policies and procedures are, what's going on, then see where you can be an asset to that company in that mind right. frame. Right. No, I think that, that is, makes up. It's a big problem out there, and I've done yeah. it myself, and it's it's probably hampered me in my career by doing that. As being a female, um, females out there, we're getting better, but it's true. Um, you know, the last several um, CISO jobs that I've applied to, I've lost every single time to a male. Wow. Yes, I mean, male or female, but every time it's a male. Um, and I, you know, when I've interviewed over there, I, I usually get in the top two, top three, and it's, it's always that they go for the guy. It's consistent. I've, I've yet in my career to 
my knowledge, ever lost a position to another female. Yeah. It's always yeah. been a female. Um, yeah. One of the things that I see across my desk is now that, I, that I'm speaking a lot more, I was doing government work before here, so I've only been on LinkedIn for two years. I've only had a social profile for two years, which shocks people when I have over yeah. 25,000 followers. But one of the things I tell females is females will only apply to a position if they read the job description of the position and they feel that they have about 85% of those job requirements that they, they can literally say that they know them super, 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 super well. Yep. Or guys would just apply for it. So one thing about the females out there, apply. If I see you, I will tell you, I'll wrap myself out. If I see a female out there who's even close to the qualifications, I will talk to her. Even if it's just that I, she might not fit, but I can encourage her. I'll put up that interview. And then yeah, most of the time yeah. you're talking to them and they have a lot more qualifications than they even realize that they had that they're listing. And I have the same problem too. So women out there, you have to apply. Guys yeah. out there, one thing it is that women in the industry are short um, as a number. But the one thing is I'll tell you, they've always been my stellar rock stars. We're, they're always A-type people, uh, perfectionists. Um, they want to please. They're stickler for details. And they want to get the information right and accurate, which is critical for our industry. Yep. Um, regulations we have, governance, risk compliance, GDPR, and everything else. We got to be able to prove where we were, where we started from baseline, where we got to now, and how we went ahead and made sure that that was actually done right, and that we understand where we are and where we're going. Yep. You need people, whether it's male or female. People have to be able to be better communicators, and that is the one thing I do is people have to be able to write a sentence. They have to be able to communicate reports. And the last people who I have who I've given the gift of goodbye, off of my teams have always been people that have not been um, good communicators. They haven't been able to write a sentence. For, for some reason, when you get in office, they can't seem to write, write a report. They can't write a sentence. They can't communicate their needs. And they haven't been attention to detail. Yeah. Especially security is attention to detail. Absolutely. We have to be able to prove that if there was ever a breach or anything like that or an audit, we have to be able to prove that that we really looked at that item and we went ahead and we know that there was no breach on that day, that we know that, that no one actually tried to infiltrate. We have to be able to prove it. We have to be able to prove that we did our due diligence. You have to have those critical skills. Um, and that's one thing I, I see. Well, females, go out there and apply for positions. If you do not know how to use Excel or Word, you can't do a PowerPoint, can't put a sentence together, you know, go to Toastmasters, go to some places like that that will get you out of your comfort zone and they actually have you start speaking. Yep. Yep. You need to have those critical skills. It's back to the basic social skills that you really need to be um, really good in the industry. And that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you're doing in the industry more. Those are becoming more and more critical. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you bring up a lot of great points and, and kind of a, a supporting point to all of that is that, um, uh, or maybe an underlying theme is more accurate, is that it really doesn't matter how smart you are or how good you are or how hard you work. If you can't communicate or market it, um, then you're not going to be as much as you'd like to be. And it, 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 it may seem, you know, many of us, especially in the IT space, immediately think of anything associated with direct sales or marketing as, um, you know, practically the devil's work. And, um, it's unfortunate because, uh, you know, without marketing, you don't know what a company has to offer you that you're, whose product you're interested in buying. Um, 
without a good salesperson, you have no direct um, ability in theory of correlating what that company is offering to a problem that you're experiencing today and why it might solve that problem for you. And so it's odd that knowing that to largely be true, uh, most of us in IT are still very bad about that. And so I, I, I wholly support what you just suggest and, and say that, you know, if, if, if anyone takes any takeaways from, from what you just said is that being able to market yourself um, through good communication, through good writing um, is, if not the most important skill you need, um, certainly it's right up there because uh, all the, most of the other skills will go wasted um, uh, or at least um, atrophy if um, you're not uh, um, uh, doing good marketing. Um, absolutely. Um, you're your brand ambassador is you. Yep. Um, and then when you have teams that work for you, you have to be able to communicate to someone like me, what is the change that you see that I need to be able to make? You yep. want to raise even that. You have to be able to communicate on, on why I should be giving you the raise. Right. So that it's interesting because people haven't thought that way, but you have to be able to do it in today's world. Yeah, um, absolutely. Anything, you need more equipment, you need better X, Y, or Z, you have to be able to communicate that need. Yep. Um, and then I always have to be able to justify the cost, right? Is it capital expense, operational expense? What's going on here? Why do we need it? I have to be able to justify that. So you need to be able to get, get something more instead of I just want it. That doesn't work. You know, I tell people, if you think about your family, if you have family and kids, if your, if your kid goes to you and you just, I want it, you ask him those questions. Yep. The same communication skills that you need to go ahead and bring to you know, the work front. It's funny how we compartmentalize and we don't think that they're really tied in together. Yep, yep. No, the same way. No, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I uh, have to admit that um, the time has gone by a lot faster than I thought it would. And... Um, uh, this has been a terrific conversation, and I'm, my only real disappointment, other than the fact that time is running out on us, is the fact that um, this is the first time uh, I've had a chance to speak at length with you. I hope to remedy that in the future with uh, more conversations, if not um, uh, um, uh, the ability to listen in on some of your music. Um, but, you know, before we wrap up, uh, you know, I, um, we obviously both centered uh, the beginning of the conversation on the notion that um, applying something like the infinity paradigm or the application uh, ecosystem framework to some or all of your IT uh, organization and, and IT products and services um, is a critical opportunity and, and a critical opportunity for a number of reasons, including, um, uh, you know, making sure that you have enough of what you need and making sure that you have what you need in the right places and at, this, at the right resiliency and that you've applied appropriate security measures and, and metrics uh, to, the, um, to the appropriate workloads and, and environments. Uh, and so that one I think is a pretty clear takeaway. If, if you provide another takeaway, either on the subject we were just on or um, on an earlier topic we covered, um, what would you want uh, the audience or listeners to take away? Oh, I'm going to give three quick ones. Okay. Um, for those of you who are in leadership um, positions for technology or chief information security officer, you have to change the conversation when you're dealing with chief information officers or chief um, financial officers, or if you have your CEO, you have to change your conversation to 
operations and how that is actually going to affect the business moving forward. You have to speak their language to make changes. They're not going to change to speak your language. And this paradigm will help you be able to do that. Two, if you're a woman out there, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Perfect. And then last thing is, is that be a constant life learner and you would go places and you would do well in life. Yeah. Yeah. So those are perfect. And, you know, it's funny. Um, uh, I'm only a man and I have all the associated weaknesses. Um, but one of those weaknesses um, uh, you, you briefly covered uh, early in the conversation. And so this is just kind of a learning opportunity for those who haven't done some of the stumbling that it sounds like you and I both have done. But I took over a fairly large job um, uh, late in my time at HP, uh, went from managing uh, about um, 60 people in, in two or three states and four or five countries um, to managing um, an extended group of almost 600 um, in you know, half a dozen countries and, and a half a dozen states. And I um, went to one of the largest groups and, and had one of my traditional kind of um, get to know Mark meetings. And I had been told ahead of time that this group had problems and that there were performance issues and everything. And uh, I neglected to approach the problem the right way. So I went to this um, talk that I was gonna give and I, and I talked about how uh, basically without saying the words, I basically said, you guys are kind of screwed up and I'm here to save the day. And um, I didn't say it exactly like that, but that's the way it came across. And lucky for me, and I mean really lucky for me because I took an enormous learning from this, um, this tiny gal, uh, probably my age now, so she was in her late 50s then, um, uh, a, a Vietnamese lady who um, had only recently, uh, recently maybe 10 years or so, um, uh, migrated to the United States, uh, came up to me um, very slowly, but came into my office and asked if she could talk to me and explained to me how she felt after the talk. And, um, and I, I was just, I was devastated. I, I was devastated at first because I thought, wow, I'm so great. How could somebody be telling me how bad I am? But then I was devastated at the impact that I had left on so many of these people. Um, and, and so, you know, you're, you're, the important takeaway there to me at the time was, uh, you know, it's not about you, it's about the team. And it's not about um, what someone did wrong or didn't do wrong, but rather what can be done. And um, so that, you know, a couple of themes there, you know, stumbling over your own tongue, um, uh, uh, communicating effectively with the right message at the right time, um, are all things that are so vital. And, uh, you know, I, from, from that point forward, one of the things that I used to do, and I still do on occasion, was if I had an important message to give to folks in the broader organization, I would let some of the people that reported to me review it before I sent it out. Because the last thing I wanted was to accidentally throw somebody under the bus because I had forgotten something or I had misinterpreted an update or whatever. And um, uh, it has saved me a few times since then. No, I agree. And the one thing out there too for people is you're going to fail. If you don't know that, you're going to fail. Yep. It's okay. 
pick yourself up and move forward. And if people did go ahead and misunderstanding your intentions, go ahead and talk with them and ask for forgiveness yep. sooner versus later, um, because they will always remember that, yep. um, that you didn't go ahead and apologize for the insult, but yep. they will also remember that you were man enough or woman enough to immediately go and apologize and make right. Yep. They will remember that and you will have good relationships. Yeah. So yeah. remember that when you're working in the world, think about human and it is about relationships. We're not, we're not taught that in school. You're yep. taught that like, hard knocks, but go ahead and remember that it is about people, about relationships and, and yep. try to be the best citizen of the world and the best citizen for your company and the best citizen for your family as you possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. Great words to live by. And with that, um, Rebecca, thank you very much for joining me today. I really appreciated the conversation. Very enlightening. Um, and as I said before, my only um, sorrow is that uh, we didn't get a chance to do something like this sooner in, in, our, in our lives, at least from my perspective. Um, and uh, I uh, hope the audience has managed to take something away from um, Dr. Wynn's uh, sage advice. And um, please uh, join us next time when we'll be joined by Jeff Cessna, leading industry consultant on DevOps. Um, uh, this guy's amazing. Uh, I've actually recommended him to a few people uh, to help with them as they make their transition to a more DevOps-oriented work st strategy. Uh, and if you'd like to nominate anyone to join me on a future podcast, email us at podcast at idc-a.org. Until next time, I'm Mark Teeley, and you can find me on Twitter at mteeley10. And uh, Dr. Wynn, where can we find you online? Best place to connect with me is at LinkedIn. Great. All right. Well, again... Dr. Wynn, thank you very much. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week, and I really appreciated your uh, contributions today. Thank you. It's my honor and privilege.